Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Thursday, September 8th, 2016. Oh, I've got an entirely themed episode today. I feel so normal. Tuning in, you're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseboro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment. The goal of which help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and do some comparative work. That's the idea. We compare what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles, and apostolates. And those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those who we need to be listening to, whose books we apparently should be buying and whose small group Bible studies we should be studying, uh, well, actually small group curriculum, you know, we should be studying that instead of the Word of God to test and see if what they're saying actually squares with what God's Word says when we put it back into context. Mm -hmm. Very important thing. When we... Apply proper hermeneutics, a Christ-centered approach to Scripture. This is what Scripture teaches us itself. In fact, Jesus says that uh, you know, to the Jews, you diligently search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have life, yet they are the very Scriptures that testify about me. That's right. They testify about Christ, not you. And uh, when we do the comparative work... Oh, we also try to rightly divide law and gospel. We do that often here. And if you listen, you may have never heard these categories, but this is something Scripture teaches. So when we do the comparative work, oftentimes we find what is passing for Christian teaching and Christian doctrine is not what Scripture says. Now, why is this important? Well, let me give you a text to begin with today. And this will begin to start to head us down the path of our theme for today's episode. In uh, Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 28, Jesus gives us the, the, you know, the great uh, great commission, right? All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And he says, therefore, go or as you are going. That's kind of an important thing. That's actually um, a participle, not an imperative. As you are going, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, here's the question I have for you. Where 
can I go and know with certainty that I have the words of Jesus? Now you're going to have to be, you're going to have to think a little bit broader than you normally would. And the reason why is because we have modern Bibles and in our modern Bibles, we have red letter editions, right? Yeah, you open up to the Gospels and you can see the words that Jesus spoke in red. And I would think that, you know, you think that's a great thing, but it actually can be a little bit confusing for us Christians. And the reason why is that who is Jesus? According to Scripture, Jesus is none other than God in human flesh. Uh huh. So we can find all that Christ has commanded by going to those places where we know where Christ has spoken in both the Old and the New Testament. And all Scripture is God-breathed. So the place I can go to hear the voice of God is in the written Word of God. We'll kind of tease this out a little bit more as today's episode of Fighting for the Faith unfolds. And, you know, today's... If you can't figure out the theme for today, well... I don't know how to help you. It's it's going to be so obvious it's not even funny. But uh, let's talk about what it is that we're going to do with today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. We're going to begin with a prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate twin spin. We're going to first head down to Glory City Church in Australia as we check in with Amanda Wells um, from a sermon she delivered from a couple of years ago uh, where she begins the sermon by explaining what God told her and in, in uh, well, on her then recent trip to Italy, apparently she travels to Italy a lot, and uh, and then we, when we're done listening to her, we will tune in to Patricia King on her XP Media website and uh, listen to her explain how God is a God of vision. God is a God of vision, and then we're going to do an a, an Osteen update, not Joel though, Paul. Uh huh. Doctor Paul Osteen, and we're going to listen to his recent message delivered there at Lakewood, titled "Listen and Follow." And then in hour number two, we're going to listen to Chris Hodges of Church of the Highlands down in Birmingham, Alabama, as he tries to answer the question, "How do I hear the? How do I hear God's voice?" And that will wrap up today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. And um, Best thing I can say is you might want to have a Bible handy, at least, or something to write down the references that I'm beginning to uh, unpack for you with today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. It's never a bad idea to have something to take notes with while listening to Fighting for the Faith, and especially considering we're going to be listening to what Scripture says about Scripture itself from the written Word of God, and that will help us with today's theme. And uh, since we're going to begin with an uh, an Amanda Wells uh, Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate update, I probably should uh, play our uh, warning and then we'll get right into it. Warning, fighting for the faith can be dangerous to your health. Listening with caution is strongly urged while doing any of the following activities. Operating heavy, deadly equipment, playing Farmville, or any time-wasting, brain-numbing activity. For sudden awakening at the sound of a particularly stupid isogetical statement could cause neck strain. 
drinking liquids, drinking hot liquids, having liquids too nearby, not having any liquids nearby. The following medical conditions have been known to occur while listening to Fighting for the Faith, cranial keyboard embedment syndrome, sinu-nasal liquid spewment disorder, steering wheel pounding clenched fist strain, continual gaping dry mouthitosis, and frustrative disbelief brain explosion. Please take proper precautions. Drinking straws, padding, and duct tape are recommended. You've been warned. Get up right now. Robert Tilton's Hubabaconda. So we're heading down to Glory City Church, and we're uh, going to listen to the introduction uh, of um, the prophetess Amanda Wells by uh, Runala herself. And uh, the, again, this is from a sermon from a couple of years ago, but oh man, <clears throat> you definitely are probably going to want to be sitting down. Here we go. The Bible says if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. (laughs) Terrible start. Terrible start. So apparently I'm going to receive a prophet's reward if I receive Amanda Wells as a prophet. (laughs) No. I mean, if that's really the case, I don't want to have anything to do with God because it's like, no, God. This woman contradicts your written word. She makes no sense and she's just full of herself. I refuse to accept her in the name of a prophet because she ain't no prophet. Yeah, you, you kind of get what I'm saying there. You know, I really believe that Amanda Wells is one of the prophetic voices in our nation. She is standing very strongly in the office of a prophet. And- no, she's not, and that office is closed. Is recognized nationally and internationally. We are really honored. By who? The Fruit Loops Association? amongst us and among her peers in Australia on the Prophetic Council. Would you stand with me and give her a big welcome and honor her as she comes tonight to minister? Come on up, Amanda. Uh, uh, honor Amanda Wells. Oh, am I in pain. Love you. It's such an honor to be here. I'm, I'm just I'm overwhelmed. And I guess I'm really overwhelmed because I got back from Italy yesterday and it was a 30... I came through Abu Dhabi and it was, I think, about a 36-hour flight. And then I got to bed 9.30 and I woke up at quarter to two. Uh, yeah, it was quarter to two. And I tossed and turned until four o'clock and I thought, oh, I'll just get up. What's the point of laying here anymore? And I got up and I started to write some things down. And it was really a prophetic message. And I thought, well, that's nice, Lord. 
you know, okay, I don't know what you want me to do with it. I'm now on holidays. I'm officially on holidays as a prophet, you know. And- so that's the way prophets speak to God. Hey, God, listen, I know you want me to write prophetic stuff down, but hey, I'm on holiday. You know, I won't be back for a couple of weeks. Because we'd had a very, very uh, big schedule in Italy. And uh, anyway, just at four o'clock, Pastor Catherine rings and says, would you preach tonight? Yeah, why not? So if I fall asleep, just someone clap like that or something and wake me back up, okay? (laughs) Thank you, I'm awake. (laughs) I know where I am. And I've just come back from Italy and and it's it's been, and I don't want to fall off here, so I'm just going to stand here like this because I know what could happen, especially tonight. But I I really, it's been an awesome time and um, I just want to pray and then I'm going to talk about that and then go into the word. So Father, I just thank you tonight what what you're doing. I just thank you, Father, for this place. I thank you, Lord, for your love. Oh, how you've loved us and your grace that you pour out to us. Lord, I just thank you so much for that. I thank you, Father, that your strength is in, in each one of us. And in our weakness, we are made, you, you know, you make us strong. We are made strong in you. And so tonight, even, even though my body may be, may be weak, Lord, I know that I am strong in you. And I thank you, Father, for your anointing tonight in this place. You're just pouring out your love. And Father, I thank you that we declare your kingdom come, your will be done in this place, in our lives, in Jesus' name. So let me just start by saying I've just come back from Italy and it was, it was a bit of a shock to the system. It's been my ninth time in Italy. I go every year. And as soon as I got off the plane, I, I sort of was ushered into the first church was the church in Rome. And it's a big church. It's like a Hillsong church in Rome. And uh, it's doing so well. They just had Miles Monroe. They had T.D. Jakes about four months ago. It, it's <laughs> yeah, uh, both heretics. Really pumping there in Rome. And they'd asked me at the last minute to come and do um, their women's conference. Just oh, yeah. I mean, she goes to churches where, you know... T.D. Jakes preaches and stuff. Oh, she's internationally known as a prophetess, you know. It was a session. And as I got up to preach, I knew God had given me a word for Italy. And uh, a, it, a word for the whole nation of Italy? Oh, that's impressive. It's quite amazing. We talk about Mozambique. We talk about Africa. But I want to tell you, Europe is doing it very, very tough. Europe, whoa. I don't think that's, that, that really is the sound. That's not my jet lag, is it? Europe is doing it really, really tough. And uh, they, they are in such an economic crisis that it is blowing me away. They have 80% unemployment. 80% unemployment. And the place is just, I mean, we just think, oh, Europe's okay. Italy was, it's a mess. And the government's a mess. Everything is a mess. And so when I got there, God, God started to speak to me about a few things. And in Rome, I preached to the women. They asked me to come back next year and actually help with the women, start them up in businesses so that because... Isn't it interesting that all these people who claim to be hearing the voice of God, the person they preach about is themselves? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Jesus said that when he would send the Holy Spirit... It, the Holy Spirit would convict the world of sin and unbelief and testify about him. Yeah, it's as if the Holy Spirit exists in these churches to, to well, to teach them to testify about themselves. 
Amanda's really full of herself. She doesn't sound like she's full of Jesus at all. I believe that God is doing something particularly in, in Europe. And uh, so I'm going to go back there because in the 15th century, we know about Martin Luther. And when Martin Luther pinned the 92-page thesis or 95-page thesis on the... 95-page <laughs> thesis? Yeah, where'd you go to school, Amanda? Castle Church. We think that was Reformation. But Reformation actually was all of the women in Europe, the Jewish women and the Christian women, got together. And what they did was they started capitalism. They actually started trade. They started, that's how the trade routes and the revival routes started in Europe. And right before the... Where is she getting this? Reformation, it was called this, that the light had gone out in Rome. And so that was where I started because I knew that the light was coming back into Rome. And when the light comes back into Rome, my goodness, the whole of Europe is going to break out. And so from there, I'm going back next year. But then I went to Pescara and I, I, I started to preach a message. And the message was, how did this financial crisis start? Because it wasn't America. It wasn't the World Bank. It wasn't, um, it wasn't anything like that. It was actually a spiritual reason. And it was mammon. And I have never seen so much revelation. It just kept coming. I had to say, God, can I just have a night's sleep? Don't give me so much revelation. I, I had a public... Oh, she was totally put out by how much revelation she was receiving from God. But she's so important. God knew she can handle all of it, you know. Um, and say, here is, the, here is the money. We want you to print the book. We're going to print the book for you. We want the book printed in... in in Italian and in English, and we want it done by the beginning of next year. I said, I can do that. It can be done by January. I'm not sure how, but I'm going to do it by January. And uh, then we went to Compabasso, or Compabasso, and it was a small church. The building was probably the size of a peanut, and uh, it, it was about the size of just this this section. And about 70 people, and 70 people had gathered into this building. And that night we pre I preached and I taught and I was teaching mainly on this word that God had given me. And so as I was teaching, uh, I finished, I gave an altar call. So she wasn't preaching on the written word, but no, a, a specific word that God had given her. You know, God gives her so many words that, you know, it bothers her, kind of puts her out, you know. Half of them came forward. Then I gave an altar, you know, for salvation. I gave an altar call for the baptism of the Spirit. The whole church came forward, including the pastors. And I'm like, oh, my word. Next night, they were out on the street. They could not get into the church. They were just out on the street waiting. This is so the hour for every nation. It's not even Australia. It's every nation. It's like God's just broken through. Something's happened. And this is the time when we can't just sit and say, wow, that's really nice. This is the time we have to get out there and really do something. And so Right. Yeah. We got to do something. This is what God's saying, man. You got to do something. I, I don't know what, but you got to do something. I, we preached and, and everything, everything bad broke out that night. We had doorbells ringing in the middle of the church. I mean, we had one child got up and gave the most ugly face at me and, ah, and he's going off at me. And I'm like, what is going on? Anyway, all of a sudden, uh, I just said, let's pray. And you could just see the glory just fell. I mean, it was, it was amazing. Yeah. The, you know, the, I mean, there they were, they just walking along and boom. You know, bam, the uh, the glory just, woo, you know, fell. And, you know, it made a thwomp sound when, it, you know, it landed, thwomp. And, uh, yeah, wow, this is amazing. 
Now, what is she prattling on about? I, I have no idea. But Jesus said to the disciples, the one who hears you, hears me. The one who rejects you, rejects me. The one who rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. Hmm. So when I hear Jesus' disciples, who became the apostles, when I hear them, I hear Jesus. If I reject them, I reject Jesus. Interesting. Interesting to, to note that. Are you all familiar with uh, Psalm 119? Yeah, Psalm 119. It's a fascinating psalm. And Psalm 119 is really a, a psalm dedicated to, well, the Word of God. Let me read portions of it. Psalm 119, starting at verse 1. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the Torah of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight, as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts, fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. That's just the beginning of, of uh, Psalm 119. And notice the, ex, the extolling of God's word and what, how we're to focus our eyes on that. Where can I go to hear the words of Jesus? Well, the one who hears the apostles, according to Jesus, hears him. And the one who hears him, hears the Father. So where can I go today to hear the apostles? You know, there's only one place. That's the written word of God. I don't know what Amanda's preaching about, but, you know, she's, she, you know, she's claiming all kinds of things. Oh, the glory, you know, flump, it plump and boom, bam, fell, you know, and uh-huh. She continues. Now, we had dinner with a pastor later, and this was probably another dish of pasta among pastor, among pastor at midnight. And she's like, this has never happened. And she's trying to, she's trying to get translated because she can't speak English. And I'm trying to slow her down to say, what happened? And she said, halfway through the service, when I was talking about mammon, a man walked in. She said, I know he was a man. He was dressed in black. He had a black bandana and he had a, had a sword in a saber. And he said, she said, I thought he was one of our crazy people. And she said, he walked towards you. And as he walked towards you, 
he actually had to bow his knee. He couldn't. And she said, and I realized, was that a vision? I mean, she had just been baptized in the spirit. She didn't even know what a vision was. Now, if you go on my Facebook and, and go right down, you'll see a photo that was taken as we started to break through in prayer. You actually see like light coming down. That was the story around that photo because suddenly the glory of God just broke out. The light above, there was no light above. There was only two lights on either side and we don't know where that light came from in the photo. And so God just broke out. That church is pumping. Then I went back. I, I went to Sicily, which is always interesting. From Sicily, the, the things broke out. Then from I went back to uh, to Rome. And yeah, you know, while she was in Sicily, you know, things just broke out. You know, uh, just as I was walking, it sounds like you know, uh, <clears throat> Ebola virus. You know, uh, epidemic. Now God is strange. I was catching the bus home. I'm now on holidays. It's like, oh God, that was, I mean, we had to sleep in our overcoats. It was so cold and every, it was primitive. And because no one has money, there's no money, but money hasn't been lost. Money is still there. And the church have to have an alternative economy. Right. The church needs to come up with an alternative economy. Get busy. This is what God wants us to do. The church have to be the solution. The church have to be the answer. And right there, that's what they need. And so I'm walking and I'm just about to catch the bus back to Terminal 4 Heathrow. And I get on the bus and I said, bus driver, stop. And so he's like, okay, you know, some mad woman. I said, stop. And, and he stops. And I turn around to the woman who had come with me. And I said, God's just told me I'm going to start a bank. And she- uh, uh, God just told a man she's going to start a bank. Wow. I wonder if it'd be like the Wizarding Bank, you know, in Harry Potter. It would be like Gringotts, yeah. Said, okay, Amanda, you really are jet lagged. You know, you've done a lot of bad, you know, a lot of ministry. I said, no. I said, what we're going to do is get the women in Australia. And with the tithe that I was talking about, the third tithe, we're going to start to, to get that money so that we can start to loan money over in Rome for women to have businesses to start to actually get the economy moving again because we are the answer in the church. I, I wondered, I mean, was she able? to start this this spiritual economy, you know, alternative bank. Did she start this bank and was she responsible for helping to turn the Italian economy around? Oh, I, I just got, she said, okay, see you later. And I got back home and I said, God, what was that about? And God actually started to open it up. New Zealand's just opened up and we just had a... Yeah, so the, New Zealand's just opened up, man. I mean, it was closed, you know, but now it's opened up. You, you got to act fast when things open up, you know. Radio station and a TV station say, we don't know what it is, but whatever, whatever message you've got, come because we're going to give you airtime every week. God is really doing something at this time. And- yeah, if anyone's giving you na- airtime in the name of Jesus, that ain't God that's working and pulling strings for that to happen. Yeah, I would say that those strings are being pulled from a lower region. Um, Jude, um, Verse 3, Beloved, although I was eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write, appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into sensuality and and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Now I would remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt afterward, destroyed those who did not believe. 
And the angels who did not stay with their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. And I point you out here that uh, Amanda Wells definitely relies on her dreams, claims she's getting direct revelation from God. She doesn't seem to preach the word of God. But here's the thing. She also rejects authority. How do I know? Because she's a woman preaching in a church, and God's word strictly forbids it. And yet the things that she brings to us, none of it is what God would have us believe. None of it is actually what Jesus has commanded or what Jesus has taught. The people there at Glory City Church sitting under this kind of so-called prophetic preaching and teaching are not actually being discipled in the teachings of Jesus. They're being discipled in the doctrines of demons. Think about it. All right, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to do a little Patricia King, and then we're going to be listening to Joel Osteen's brother, uh, Paul Osteen, Uh, You know, I think you're beginning to see a theme developing. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Christian. We'll be right back. Sissioprified religiosity won't save you. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. Welcome to Build-A-God. How can I help you? Hello. I received a Build-A-God certificate for my birthday, so I'm here to build my own deity. Oh, this has got to be so exciting for you. Oh, it really is. Okay, let's get started. The first thing we have to do is determine whether your god is male, female, or unisex. Men are pigs anyway. She has to be female. Great choice. Now we have to select some of the attributes of your goddess. What do you provide? Do you want her to be kind, loving, compassionate, just, angry, righteous, wrathful? The goddess I believe in would only be loving and kind. Perfect. Now, is there any kind of sin that needs tending to by your goddess? Sin? You know, things like lying, cheating, stealing, murder, homosexuality. Well, I definitely want my goddess to be gay-affirming, and sin itself just feels so negative. 
I'm a good person, and I think my goddess will think everyone else is too. Oh, wonderful. Your goddess is coming along beautifully. Now we have to get to the difficult questions. Does your goddess offer an afterlife? Yes, my goddess would let everyone go to heaven. Except for Hitler, Genghis Khan, my good-for-nothing ex-boyfriend. Oh, excellent, excellent! Now for the final step, you have to name your goddess. Hmm. I think I'm going to name her Jesus. Oh, wonderful! That's what everyone names their god. Exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich! (laughs) And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, we throw them in the boo box? No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. (laughs) To err is to heretic. To R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash reformanda. And purchase yourself a copy of the game Reformanda and join the fight for the faith today. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down. Click on the ad banner and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that uh, self-proclaimed prophets and prophetesses actually aren't hearing from God. Over and again, they twist God's word and reject authority. 
just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. And you can partner with us. It's a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute, well, an amount that you pick. There are four ranks in our crew. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's Mate at $24.95. Master Gunner at $49.95. And then Quartermaster at $99.95 a month. This is a great way to support us, by the way. And uh, everybody who joins, we will send a, a thank you gift as a way, as our way of saying thank you for supporting us. Powder Monkeys, you get a, a Pirate Christian bumper sticker and Cairo Flag uh, die-cut sticker that are that's now available in our bake sale. And of course, uh, those of you who join at Gunner's Mate or above, we will actually send you a copy of our new card game, Reformanda, as our way of saying thank you. Of course, if you'd like to make a one-time contribution, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith, and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, we are, uh, you know, part two of our Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate. Uh, here we go. The Bible says that without vision, people perish. And it's just like you need vision to come alive. Now, here's the problem. Uh, we've noted this here at Fighting for the Faith many times over the years, that uh, when somebody quotes Proverbs 29, 18, uh, where there is no vision, the people perish, they are only quoting half of a sentence. Mm-hmm. The full sentence says, Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the Torah. Uh-huh. The prophetic vision that Proverbs 29.18 is pointing to is not some vision inside of you that God is supposed to give you through the Holy Spirit or some direct revelation. What is What it's pointing to is the written word of God. You need vision and to have purpose. You need to see what you're going to walk into. And so I want to share uh, just some insights with you that I think will be helpful because God is a God of vision and he gives his people vision. And at the end of this little clip, I'm going to be praying for you to unlock visionary capacity on the inside because I believe God wants to download into you things that you haven't even dreamt of yet, things that things that you can't even imagine or think. So I want to start, first of all, with Genesis uh, chapter 13. And what's happening here is there's a little bit of tension between Abraham's guys and Lot's guys. And, I mean, Abraham was uh, Lot's uncle. And So do you think this verse is going to teach us the importance of getting direct revelation from God? Yeah, no, it's not. Now, this is where... We need to make a distinction between two two categories of scripture, if you would. There are scriptures that are descriptive, and there are passages that are prescriptive. Mm-hmm. She's not going to a prescriptive passage because there are no prescriptive passages that say you must receive direct revelation from God. So what she has to do, she has to go to a descriptive text where God does speak, 
and then make it into a prescription for all of us when there is no prescription in the text that applies to all of us. And that's what she's doing. I mean, this is a family affair here, and there's tension. And what could be worse than that? You know, it's horrible. And you can't live together easily when there's tension amongst everyone. And so Abraham, um, he was just thinking of a way to have peace, right? So he said to Lot, he said, whatever... Whatever you want, whatever land, it's all out before us. You just take whatever land you want, and I'll just go in the opposite direction. He's so humble. He's so beautiful. And so he just released Lot to go into the area that he wanted. But then God visits Abraham and gives him a vision. And he gave him a vision for something he could go for. And it just... Uh, No, God gave him a vision for something that he promised him big difference i mean abraham wasn't looking for that he was just looking for peace right he wasn't looking for this vision that god gave him or the word that came with it and that's how i feel it's going to come to you it's like you're not going to be looking for it you're just so that's how you feel it's going to come to me who are you talking to a camera Uh uh-huh so you feel it's going to come to me you know some vision no 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 this is a descriptive text, not a prescriptive text when it comes to visions. Go your way, seeking the wisdom of God on things or whatever, and all of a sudden the vision of God is there. It could be for business, it could be for an avenue of ministry that you want to do, it could be for you know, anything in your life, vision, maybe for a spouse or something, but all of a sudden the vision of the Lord is going to be there. So let's explore this and see what, what God shows us. So... Um, Abraham and, Wa- and, and, and Lot have uh, separated. In verse 14, it says, The Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, Now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land which you see, I will give it to you and to your descendants forever. So God comes to Abraham and says, I want you to lift up your eyes. Right. That's what God said to Abraham. He didn't say that to me. He didn't say that to you, Patricia. And all of this has to do with salvation history. Abraham is one of the major pillars in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And Abraham is the man of faith. And he, at this point, is, well, up to this point in the story, this is where the scarlet thread, the bloodline of the Messiah, has come up to. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, these promises have to do with the promise of the seed of, you know, who would crush the head of the serpent. Yeah, this is talking about Jesus, and this is pointing to God's act of salvation in and through this man's, you know, people and descendants. I want you to look... I want you to seek a vision. I want you to look as far as you can to the north, the south, the east, and the west. Yeah, you just twisted that text in Genesis 13. Because I am going to give whatever you see, whatever you have in your vision, I'm going to give that to you. No, yeah, again, you've, you've rephrased it in a way that's not what the Lord said. So uh, Genesis 13, 14, the Lord said to Abram, After Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, 
For all the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that one can count the dust of the earth. Your offspring can also, would also be counted. Rise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. Uh-huh. Notice that uh, God is the one doing all the stuff here. He's doing all the promising. To you. And I just feel so much prophetic oil on this right now. You feel prophetic oil on this text. Really? What's that feel like? Is it kind of slimy? Is it like fish oil? Does it smell bad? I feel that as I'm speaking to you, yeah. that that the Lord is impregnating you. Uh, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. I know. Don't need any impregnating going on inside of me. With desire to look to lift up your eyes and look to see the potential that is out there for you in the days to come. Right. Again, you're taking a descriptive historical narrative and turning it into an individual prescription regarding the vision, and that's not what this text is teaching at all. You're twisting God's word. If you're really hearing God the Holy Spirit, why isn't he telling you to quit twisting his word? And then I also want to show you something else about how God works with vision. Because he visits Abram again, and he, he brings the word of the Lord to him. It says that after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. And Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus, which was his servant. And Abram said, Since you have, and Abram said, Since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. And God took him outside. Listen to this. He's given him a prophetic word now, which is obviously putting... Yeah, giving who a prophetic word? Abram, not me. ...in his heart. But now he's expanding the vision. He's giving Abram a vision board. He says, now... What? ...toward the heavens and count the stars if you are able to count them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord, and it was reckoned unto him as righteousness. So God, he wants Abram to be full of faith and hope and dreams. And so he gives him a prophetic word. No, he doesn't want him to be full of dreams. You stuck that in there. He said, you are going to have a son that comes from your own body and takes him outside and gives him further vision. He says, I want you to look up into the sky right now because if all these stars that you see, which are actually uncountable, really, he says, I am going to give you that many descendants. That's how many descendants you are going to have. Do you know that every time Abram went outside at night and looked up at those stars, it was God's vision board for him to remind him of the promise that was given to him. So it was it was cultivated... Right, the promise given to who? Abram. This is a descriptive text. 
There is no, therefore, because God spoke to Abram this way, he's going to give you a vision board and, and he's going to, oh, just make you, you know, amazing the world over the way he made Abram. That's to miss the whole point of the text. Uh-huh. The, and the promise of God to bless all the nations of the earth through the seed and the offspring of Abram, who is Christ. Abram believed God, and it was reckoned, credited to him as righteousness, believing the promise given to him by God. But there is no then implicit promise that God's promising you the same thing because, well, that's what he promised Abraham. I mean, you got to have a vision, you know. His heart every single night, every time the sun went down, he would be reminded of the promise of the Lord and the reality of the Lord's word. So we see that God wants us to look. He told Abraham, first of all, how, how are you getting the us thing out of that? It doesn't say anything about God wants me to go out and look. When he was separating from, from, from Lot, look. Lift up your eyes. Look for vision. Get a- uh, No, this is not a command. No, she's turned it into a prescription. This is not a command for me to go out and look for vision. I want you to have a vision. Look as far as you can. You know, dream big. You know, he wants you to have a vision. But then the next thing he does is he gives you something to fix that vision on. And in this... Yeah, again, this is not some steps to follow regarding visions for us. You're twisting this text. In this case, it was a dream board. Now, I just want to uh, talk about dream boards for a bit, or vision boards, because in the um, in the business world, executives use them all the time. They'll put their goals out on big vision boards and send them out to all the executives of the corporation so that everyone can be in sync. They can see the vision. They can see the goal that they're going for, and they'll use them for you know their whole sales team and everything. They'll vision board it out so that they can see where they're going. Even in media, you know, when you are doing a production, you storyboard out the whole production. So who knew a storyboard was, well, a visual prophecy? Uh-huh. Before you go into it, so you get to see it in your mind's eye before you before you ever put your hand to it. Because whatever's in your heart, what you're seeing, you put out on a vision board, a literal vision board. And here we see God doing it. For Abraham, he created a vision board in the sky and told Abraham to be reminded of the vision every time he looked at it. We also see in another portion of scripture where where God took Abraham out again and said, look how many sands of the sea there are, or sands there are. And he says, your descendants will number the sands. And he- yeah, again, all of the promises were made to Abram. And this is not a prescriptive text that now has a series of steps that I should be able to follow in order to make this happen in my life. Yeah, Patricia is uh, twisting God's word and twisting it quite badly, I need to note. Psalm 119, starting at verse 17. Deal bountifully with your servant that my I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Even 
Though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. My soul clings to the dust. Give Give me life according to your word. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the ways of your precepts. I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways from me and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law. Observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies, and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things, and give me life in your ways. Confirm your servant to your servant your promise that you may that you may be feared turn away the reproach that i dread for your rules are good behold i long for your precepts in your righteousness give me life yeah we'll hear a little bit more from this a little bit later but again so what patricia king is doing she's twisting god's word taking a descriptive text turning it into some kind of prescription, you know, a set of principles that, you know, hey, well, just like God gave Abraham vision, you know, he's going to want to give you vision. But that's not what Scripture teaches. And I would point out that uh, uh, visions and direct revelations from the Lord are rare. Even in the Scripture, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3 Now the boy Samuel, this is verse 1, was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. Uh Uh-huh. Keep that in mind. Uh Uh-huh. And so, in fact, times when the Lord spoke and it became Scripture, few and far between times. Uh Uh-huh. Very rare. When God speaks and it gets written, he, his expectation is that you know the subsequent gener- generations are to focus in on what he said when he had his words written down. Yeah, keep that in mind. Now, we're going to be doing an Osteen update, and since this is kind of like the, uh, the family song, here we go. When I'm feeling lonely... Sad as I can be All by myself An uncharted island In an endless sea What makes me happy Fills me up with glee Those bones in my jaw That don't have a flaw My shiny teeth and me My shiny teeth that twinkle Just like the stars in space My shiny teeth that sparkle And beauty to my face My shiny teeth that that's right we're going to be listening to uh, paul osteen the uh, brother of joel osteen who's also a medical doctor and his recent uh, message delivered at lakewood titled listen and follow listen and follow here we go amen 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 MJ, I may need a, a glass of water if you don't mind. 
You know, if you study the Bible from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation, one characteristic that you will find of God is this. He always leads, He always guides, and He always directs His people, His children. He doesn't want His people to... Now, this is true. God leads, God directs, God guides. Now, the question is, how is God guiding us right now? to go with them. He doesn't want them to be lacking direction, so he promises to lead them. He doesn't want them to be lost or confused or wander astray, so he guides them. His nature is that he wants to lead us and guide us and direct us and show us the best paths for our lives. Listen to some of these scriptures. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. Now, this is a a weird, kind of creepy quoting of Psalm 119, verses 7 through 10. The words that are underlined is, your hand will guide me. So the, the focus is on how God, well, guides us. The question, though, is how does God guide us? We'll get to that in a minute. If I make my bed in the depths... You are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand hold me fast. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. All right, now he guides me along. The The words that are underlined are, he guides me along the right path. Okay, yeah, sure, yeah, God does guide us. The question is, through what means does God guide us? Paths for his namesake. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand pleasures forevermore. Notice there, God wants to lead us. Very familiar scriptures. He wants to guide us. He wants to direct us. If you look at the Old Testament, take a panorama of the Bible. If you look at the Old Testament, after the children of Israel were delivered from Egypt, God led three million people by a pillar of fire at night and by cloud during the day. Night or day, the people didn't need to worry about where to go. They didn't need to know about where, when to turn. They didn't need to know about when to go. They didn't need to worry about directions or a map or anything like that. All they had to do was to watch the pillar of fire and watch the cloud. And whenever that cloud or that fire moved, you know what? That's when they moved. All they had to do was watch and to follow. Under the New Covenant, the New Testament that we're in right now, we don't need a cloud or a fire because we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. God- now, this is where he makes an incorrect move. Yes, it is true that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us and we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. But it is incorrect to say that that is therefore then how God leads and guides us. And I'll, I'll give you a little bit more in a minute. But God's we'll Spirit lives on the inside of each and every one of us. And, and, and it's like the fire and the cloud are now inside of us. 
And we don't watch. So you got to look inside. You want to know what God's telling you to do? Just look inside of you. Look for the fire inside. No. It's been physical with our eyes anymore. Instead, we are sensitive and led and listen to the Holy Spirit. Did you catch what he said? We're sensitive. We're led. Now, that's that's kind of like psychic talk. Uh Uh-huh. But that technically is not what Scripture is teaching. Like, not at all. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse 10. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim, and my, and my life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings. Uh-huh. And uh, that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, while persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God, and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Yeah, that's right. Equipped and you know for every good work. And then you think of that passage of Scripture. Psalm 119, 105 is where it starts. Your word is is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my free will offering of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your Torah. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, and they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield, and I hope in your word. Depart from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of God. Uphold me according to your promise that I may live, and let me not be put to shame in my hope. Hold me up that I may be safe and have regard for your statutes continually. You see, where does Scripture say that God guides us? God prepares us. You know, God's Word is a lamp to our feet. How does He guide us? Through the written Word. Although we have the Spirit inside of us, It is not the Spirit's job to then be speaking to us and us to learn how to be sensitive to what he's saying and then do it. No, the Spirit works in conjunction with the written word. The Spirit guides us through his word. That's what the Spirit points us to, and the Spirit always points us to Christ. So we got a big problem here, and it's an epistemological one. But we continue. Not something that we can see with our physical eyes, but we listen and are led as we hear the words from the Holy Spirit 
speaking to our spirit. That's the way the Holy Spirit, spirit guides each and every one of us as his children. Now, not watch and follow, but listen and follow. In the book of Revelation, Jesus repeatedly said, Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Now, he's not talking about our physical ears listening to audible words. Instead, he's talking about our spiritual ears being alert and being attentive to whatever the Spirit is saying. Jesus put it so beautifully and so simply in John 10. He said, I'm the good shepherd. My sheep listen to my voice. Now, this is out of context. John 10, Jesus is not saying, my sheep hear my voice. And by my voice, what I mean is direct revelation. That is not what Jesus is saying at all. We'll get into that a little bit more in the sermon review. Uh Uh-huh. So notice what he's doing. This is a man making an argument for, oh, you need to hear the word of God down inside of you. You need to be sensitive to what God is speaking inside of you. And in order to create the false impression that this is true, he is twisting the written word of God. If this were a true doctrine, then why is it based on a twisting of Scripture? If they, I know them and they follow me. Let me say that again. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Again, it's the principle you've got to hear inside with our spiritual ears. In our No, we need to open our Bibles and read it. Spirit. Hear what the Spirit is saying to us. Hear what the voice of Jesus is saying to us. And then we have to follow whatever he asks us to do. In other words, we have to obey. As followers of Jesus, other than loving God and loving other people, I think our greatest priority should be, number one, to listen to his voice with our spiritual ears. Be attentive to his voice with our spiritual ears. And secondly, to follow him wherever he goes or obey him with whatever he asks us to do. Yeah, you aren't obeying the written word of God. Uh huh. And yet, again, the Apostle Paul makes it very clear in Second uh, Timothy, all Scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, reproof for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Uh huh. Peter, writing in Second Peter chapter one, here's what he says. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice, born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain." And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Notice Peter talks about 
man, we heard the voice of the Father up there on the Mount of Transfiguration. But we have something even more sure than that. The written word of God. Isn't it fascinating that Peter and Paul, both men who received direct revelations from God, that both of them admonished the people who they were preaching to to pay attention to the written word as to a lamp shining in a dark place as the thing that will prepare you and equip you for every good work. And then, I don't know if you've noticed this about Lakewood. Mm -hmm. Lakewood, is it known for being a bastion of Christian orthodoxy and sound doctrine? Or is Lakewood the place, well, that is known for, well, twisting God's word and spewing heresy? Answer, it is known for twisting God's word and spewing heresy. You want to know why? This is the reason why they despise the written word of God and believe that they are to follow and obey what God is speaking inside of their hearts. They're looking at the exact wrong thing. They're looking in the wrong place. They are obeying the wrong voice. And I'll say this, to a church, the church that says they're receiving these direct revelations from God and to listen to the voice of God apart from the word of God, that is a church, I guarantee you, that is teaching heterodoxy and probably even heresy and pointing our eyes away from Christ and the written word and having us chase after, after our subjective tales and as a result of it is misleading and while deceiving people. Mm -hmm. Over and again, the warnings in Scripture are the warnings against those who rely on their dreams, while the apostles and even the prophets themselves point us not inside of ourselves, but point us to the written Word of God. All right, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at Christian. Quick break when we come back. We're heading down to Church of the Highlands. Chris Hodges is going to teach us how to hear God's voice. How much you want to bet it's not heavily relying on the written word of God. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. If you want advice on how to have your best life now, you're in the wrong place. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. High Ridge Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... <laughs> You're listening to Byron Christian Radio. This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, 
Our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches. Liturgical art is a beautiful expression of Christ's great love for us. I'm Kelly Schumacher, founder of Anya's Day Arts, and I would like to help you learn about liturgical art and the beauty it portrays as you view it through paintings, drawings, sculptures, and altarpieces. I'm available to speak with your group. My website is anusdayarts.com, A-G-N-U-S-D-E-I-Arts.com. All right, we're back. Hour number two of Fighting for the Faith. Yeah, I'm telling you, with so many of these heretics and false teachers, the common denominator is, uh, well, the claims to receiving direct revelations from God. Yeah, that seems to be the common denominator. But let's do this right. Good, the bad, the ugly, we review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon comes to us via Church of the Highlands down in Birmingham, Alabama. Chris Hodges presiding. The name of the sermon is, How Do I Hear God's Voice? That's the name of the sermon, and the answer to the question is quite simple. Open up your Bible and read it. Yep, that's the answer. Because all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is living and active. It's living and active because God the Holy Spirit inspired all of it and still speaks through all of it. Now I'm sure the word of God will get an honorable mention in Chris Hodges' sermon, but that will not be the focus of his teaching. So let me back off on the music, and without any further ado, here's Chris Hodges of Church of the Highlands. How do I hear God's voice? All right, welcome to week number one of a six-part series called You Asked For It. We'll tell you more about that in just a moment. Let me look into the camera and say hello to all of our campuses. We are one church in 14 locations and had the privilege of being in 14 of Alabama's Department of Corrections facilities. And to everybody... Great, they're teaching false doctrine now to prisoners. That can't be good. ...being in 14 of Alabama's Department of Corrections facilities. And to everybody watching online in Dallas or wherever you are, God bless you today. Come on, Grantsville, put your hands together. Say hello to your church family. God bless you guys. Yeah. So good to see so many of you here uh, on this Labor Day weekend. And I want you to go right to your worship guide. If you'll pull out the little white sheet, it's a little message uh, handout sheet, and you can follow along. We would even invite you to 
fill in the blanks and I'll always give you some extra notes that you can take. And if you'd like to start uh, collecting your notes, uh, you'll hear the little clicking going on after I pray at the end of the service. You'll hear a little clicking going on. <laughs> and when you hear that, uh, that just lets you know the number of people who are, 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 are collecting their message notes. And those are free. They're out in the foyer. You've already paid for those in your giving. So help yourself to a little binder. And, and over time, you'll see how much you've grown in God and how much you've learned. It's pretty cool. All right. So what we did uh, back in Easter, when we had all of you here on the same Sunday, we, had, uh, we did a survey and we asked you several questions. And one of those was, uh, what would you like me to talk about here on this stage? What, 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 what the Bible has to say. What, what, what do you want to hear about? You say, Pastor Chris, that's your responsibility. You do that. Not, not entirely. In fact, many of the sermons that Jesus gave in the Bible were answers to questions that the crowd posed. Um, uh, <laughs> what? Um, many of the, the sermons, they were answers to questions that the crowd posed. Can you give me an example of that? I'd like to actually see what one of those texts looks like. Let me back this up just a smidge. Listen again. You say, Pastor Chris, that's your responsibility. You do that. Not, not entirely. In fact, many of the sermons that Jesus gave in the Bible were answers to questions that the crowd posed because he wanted to be relevant. And so do I, I want to, yeah. So Jesus, uh, Hey, what do you guys want me to preach on? Jesus said to the crowd. And then one of them said, Hey, could you teach us some um, about, um, vision casting? Oh yeah. Let me preach the sermon on vision casting. Uh-huh. Give you things that you're interested in. And we had more than 50,000 uh, responses on Easter. And uh, the number one response was given by almost one out of four of you. And it was twice as much as the second one. So this is obviously a big deal. And I was very, actually very proud of you for asking this question. And that is, how do I hear God's voice? I love answer. Open up your Bible and read it. If you want to hear God's audible voice, then, uh, then what you do is you read it out loud that, yeah, that's how you hear God's voice. Cause that's the only place. The written word of God is the only place that we can go to where we can say with certainty we are receiving the doctrines that God has truly given us. I love that question because it's making an assumption right off the bat that God is speaking. And I'm proud of you for that because in some Christian persuasions, they teach that God doesn't speak anymore. Uh, he's, he's... Uh, no, God speaks. God speaks through his word. God's word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Uh-huh. Done speaking, uh, when he, when the last disciple died, so did the speaking, and we don't believe. Well, you know, Hebrews uh, chapter 1, you know, kind of says something contrary to what you're saying. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. And Jesus said to his disciples in John in Luke ten sixteen, the one who hears you hears me. When he rejects you rejects me. See, God has spoken through his son. Yeah, that Hebrews one, you know, verses one and two basically says God has spoken now definitively through his son. 
to all of humanity. That we believe God is a communicating kind of a God. And, and we were even told by Jesus that he would hit, send his Holy Spirit and we would hear his voice. Maybe it's, maybe it's in an impression, uh, as the Old Testament says. It, Where did Jesus say we were going to hear his voice directly apart from his word? It may be peals of thunder or it might be that still small voice, but you'll get these. Uh, yeah, the still small voice thing. That it was a low whisper in the Hebrew. That's how God spoke to Elijah at Mount Horeb, also known as Mount Sinai. That's a descriptive text, not a prescriptive text. When you know Elijah hears the low whisper of God, it doesn't say, and therefore you who are reading this in your Bibles should expect to hear God's voice in a low whisper as well. Nope. Yeah, that's blurring the line between descriptive and prescriptive. These impressions, and of course, we all check those, you know, do they match up and line up with God's word? And I oftentimes will check with other people in authority over me. And what do you think about this? I feel like I've heard this from God, but our God's a speaking God. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? In fact, yeah, God has spoken in the written word. In fact, I, I saw this quote, it's not in your notes, but Dallas Willard, who wrote a book called Hearing God. Yeah, Dallas Willard, heretic. And a dead one. He said this, if God doesn't speak today, then the greatest disservice we could ever do to people is to tell them that they could have a personal relationship with God. Um, yeah, uh, the whole doctrine of personal relationship with God, that, again, that is not actually a biblical teaching the way you're teaching it. And he's not basing that on a biblical text. That's just his opinion. And it's so true. God wants to have this intimate, personal relationship. And all throughout the Bible, it says, keep in step with what the Spirit is saying. In fact, the last... Yeah, can I see that in context, please? Because it's weird. Here you are, you're teaching this important doctrine about God speaking to us while twisting the written word of God where we know that God has spoken. Part of the Bible says, let him who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. So, Yeah, out of context, yeah, when Jesus said, uh, let he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That is not say, Jesus saying, so therefore you need to look inside of yourself to hear what the Spirit is saying. You've ripped that out of context. Again, isn't it weird that those who are out there actively teaching to listen for the voice of God inside of you are the ones who must twist the written word of God in order to make it say this doctrine, which it doesn't actually say or teach. Weird, fascinating phenomena, if you would. We believe we believe he's a speaking God. The very third verse of the Bible and God said he, he, he speaks all throughout. And Jesus said it this way, the relationship that he would have with uh, him, us and him would have, would be similar to that of a shepherd and its sheep. And he said it this way, using a metaphor like Jesus often did. He said, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. Love that. And he calls his own sheep by name. So he makes it even very personal and he leads them out. And I would love for you to have that kind of a relationship with God where you're. Yeah. And so then you sit there going, well, I don't hear God's voice ever. You know, I, I guess I must come to the conclusion that Jesus doesn't love me or I'm not really one of his sheep. Uh-huh. And the reason why you're feeling that is because the scripture doesn't actually teach it the way he's twisting it. Uh-huh. That's exactly right. Now, in order to understand what's going on in the Gospel of John chapter 10, in order to get it properly, 
you would have to actually go back all the way into the context, and the context begins in the Gospel of John chapter 9, and that's the healing of the man who was born blind. Now, I'm not going to read all of that, but it suffice it to say that Jesus heals a guy who is blind from birth, and this creates quite the kerfuffle. Yeah, it does. It creates a, a, a actually a ginormous kerfuffle with the Pharisees, who end up putting this poor fella on trial? Yeah, and you know, and they interrogate him quite mercilessly due to the fact that he was healed by Jesus. And Jesus actually finds the guy after he's been put out of the uh, uh, put out by the Jews uh, for basically <laughs> proclaiming Christ as the Son of God, and uh, and so Jesus then continues his teaching, and it's important to note that the the wolf the the bad people in here who, the ones who've jumped the gate if you would are the pharisees that Jesus is re- uh, referring to so John chapter 10 verse 1 truly truly i say to you he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way that man is a thief and a robber but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep to him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And this, folks, is a parable. Uh-huh. It's a parable. And what is happening here is that Chris Hodges is taking this parable and turning it into the literal thing rather than focusing in on what the parable itself is pointing to and what the parable means. Okay. So when he has brought out all, all of his own, he goes before them. The sheep follow him. They know his voice. A stranger they do will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the vo- voice of strangers. The strangers in this case are the false teachers, the Pharisees. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. So verse 6 makes it clear that's a figure of speech. That's a parable. So Chris Hodges is taking this parabolic figure of speech and making it literal and that's a problem rather than rightly understanding what it is that jesus is referring to by using the figure of speech verse 7 so jesus again said to them truly truly i say to you i am the door of the sheep all who came before me are thieves and robbers robbers but the sheep did not listen to them i am the door if anyone enters by me he will be saved and will go in and go out and find pasture The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. The thief here is referring to not the devil, but the false teachers. Uh The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down. I have the authority to take it up. This charge I have received from the father. Hmm. So here's the idea here is that Jesus is using a figure of speech. Now, here's the question. Where can I go to hear the voice of Jesus? 
where can I go to hear the voice of Jesus? Luke ten sixteen. Jesus says to his disciples who become the apostles, the one who hears you hears me. The one who rejects you rejects me. The one who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. So where can I go to find what it is that the disciples of Jesus who became the apostles say that Jesus said? Because Jesus wrote how many books while he was alive? Not one. How then do we know about Jesus? Only through the ones he sent. Who did he send? The apostles. So the one who hears the apostles hears Jesus. That's right. The one who hears the apostles hears Jesus. And the prophets who came before them, by the way, because they were inspired by the same spirit. So you get the point. Chris Hodges here, again, isn't it fascinating? Those who teach that God's going to speak directly to you apart from his word have to twist the written word of God, which we know is God's word, in order to come up with this teaching. And what does it do? It takes your eyes off the written word, puts your eyes firmly inside of yourself, and what you end up doing is trying to be sensitive. i got to go find, what am I feeling the Lord saying? Rather than opening up your Bible and reading it. This is how you become you come under the influence of the demonic or even your own ridiculousness inside of you. You feel like you're being led by God. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them. So that's a pretty cool thought too, that, that God is out in front of you saying, hey, come this way. Isaiah says it this way. There'll be a little voice saying, here's the way, walk in it. And it sh- Yeah, again, where does Isaiah say that? I'd like to see it in context. Team, follow him because they know his voice. And that's what we're going to work on today. Because if, if you picked up the phone, if the phone rang and it was an unlisted number, like it, or it said just unknown, I get that from time to time. There are people who, who just, they, they, they block the caller ID. So it just says unknown. But there are many people like, and I say, hello. Uh, and, and if I've talked to them a lot, I recognize it immediately. If I've never talked to them before, I don't have a clue who they are. And, and, and there, therein lies one of the hints of how you can really hear God's voice is the regularity. We'll talk about that. It says, but they will never follow a stranger's voice. In fact, they run away from the stranger's voice. So they, they've even learned how to tune out, listen to this, the wrong voices. They do not recognize the stranger's voice. So I, I believe with all my heart that God speaks. In fact, some of the most pivotal defining moments of my life is when God spoke to me. And I- Important words, I believe. I believe that with all of my heart that God still speaks, yet he's twisted God's word in order to come up with this doctrine. And now he's turning to personal experience. Not a single text that he quoted was quoted in context or exegeted properly. Fascinating, isn't it? I feel like I'd like to think that I, I'm hearing from God all the time and, and I'm trying to follow God's spirit just like you. But I've had three occasions uh, that were so loud, it felt like it was an audible voice. In fact, it might have been, it might not have been. I don't know. It was just that loud, uh, that loud to me. And, and one of those is, is when I got called to the ministry. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget it. There was a, there was a um, missionary on a Sunday night at my church in Baton Rouge and uh, who, who was speaking and, and I was, uh, I was 19 years old. I was, I was a junior, uh, at LSU. And so anyway, um, <laughs> help me Jesus. And so anyway, I, I was a junior at LSU. 
of all things, studying accounting. And I'm, I was good at math, but I really had no business being in, in that. Uh, I, I'd, I'd have died a very slow death if I'd have become an accountant sitting behind a desk every day. And, and this missionary was talking about what God was doing in Mexico. And I'm telling you, it was like God was yelling at me. It was so loud. And our, and our church had a Christian school and they had a football team and they had a football field in the back of the church and it was dark and no one back there. And after the service, I went back there and just paced up and down that field, crying out to God, God, are you, are you talking to me? And I'm telling you, I heard God say, you're called into full-time ministry. And I went straight to my dad and to my pastor to confirm that. And they both did and praise God. I got caught second time, second time. I, I know I heard God's voice. I was praying about who, who to marry and had been dating my precious wife. Tammy and I, you know, come on, every guy knows this, you know, when do you, when do you pull the trigger? You know, when, do you, when, do, when do, is it time? And I was sitting at a red light and, um, and I just decided I could not live without her. And I said, God, is it now? And I just, I mean, I heard God say, yes, indeed. And boy, that was one of the best decisions of my life. And, and then all y'all God said, yes, indeed. Okay. I'll know this story. Um, if you've been to church here any amount of time, when I was just here at the SEC baseball tournament, wasn't even looking for a word from God. I was going to go to that Barnes and Noble at the summit here in Birmingham before I went to the Hoover Met. And while I'm up there drinking a cup of coffee, I was a little early, so I had time to walk out on that patio. And this view doesn't even exist anymore because the pine trees have grown up. But but 15 years ago, they were low enough where you could, on that patio, you could see the six lanes of Highway 280. We don't even have a six-lane highway in Baton Rouge. I'm like, look at all. So notice, again, he's preaching his own experiences. Leading up to this, he just ripped a bunch of verses out of context and twisted them. All those cars down there. And I heard God say, you'll pastor some of the people down in that traffic jam. Um, now, I'd like to know... Um, if you're really hearing God's voice, why isn't God telling you to stop twisting his word? And I decided on that little patio with a cup of coffee in my hand, can I get an amen somebody? Like that I was going to move to Birmingham without even knowing a soul in this town and look what the Lord has done. God still speaks today. Do you believe that? Yeah, see, there's proof. I mean, they have a, a growing multi-site uh, seeker-driven vision casting church. So that proves God still speaks today. No, actually, it doesn't. How do you know you weren't actually hearing the voice of the devil or the voice of your own sinful nature? Yeah, yeah you do. Are you under the ass for it? Sure you do, right? But like, I know you all. You, the reason why you ask for it is you want to hear him more and you want to hear him more clearly. So let me tell you why you don't hear him clearly. And then let me give you a way. Because you're not reading your Bible? Ways that you can hear him clearly. But I want to I kind of entitle this first section, Weapons of Mass Distraction. Because the truth is, God's speaking, but you also have a lot of other things going on as well. Like, write it down if you're taking notes, and that is like busyness. Bus yeah, see, God's speaking, but you can't hear him because you're busy. So there's the Holy Spirit. Uh, hi, I, I'm up here speaking. Um, will you please listen? Hello, um, can you put the cell phone down? Oh, man, how many selfies do you take in a day? I'm trying to speak to you, but you're not hearing me. It is very difficult to hear from anyone for that matter. You can't even develop a great relationship here on this earth with someone if you're too busy for that relationship. And the truth is, this is becoming so chronic 
uh, in our society. Uh, it was it was also the fourth most asked question. I think it was week four that we will cover this topic. But the truth is, a lot of us are stressed out because we are, we have way too much in our life, and we really don't even know what to do about it. And I'm going to help you in this series. But Jesus went to the house of Martha and Mary, and Martha had this sister named Mary who look look at this. She seated herself. At the Lord's feet, just to do this one thing, and that is to listen. So even though there were things... Okay, so now we're taking the parable, or not the parable, the story of Mary and Martha. And um, one is distracted with much working. The other is sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to his teaching. Uh-huh. Where can I go now, according to Jesus, to hear his voice? Answer, the ones he sent. Who did he send? The disciples. Uh-huh. Where can I go to find Jesus' teaching today, then? The written word of God. So he's taking this passage about Mary and Martha and twisting it to be about, well, if you don't want to be like the one who was too busy and distracted to, you know, to pay attention to Jesus, well, you, you got to get rid of your distractions, and then you'll be able to hear the, the silent, you know, in your heart whisper of God. No, that's not what this text is saying. He's twisting this text, too. Isn't it fascinating? All the people who teach this doctrine have to twist the written word of God, which we know God spoke, in order to come up with this teaching. Things to do. She made a choice. Mary did to make a choice to sit down at Jesus' feet so she could listen to him. And watch this. But Martha, I love how the Amplified adds this, overly occupied and too busy, was distracted with all the stuff that she had to do. And I think that's a lot of us. I know it's me included that I, I want to hear from God, but I mean, I, I feel like there's too much going on in my life. And the truth is you're never going to hear God's voice clearly until you slow down a bit. Again, the, the, the story of Mary and Martha has nothing whatsoever to do with direct revelation. The truth be known. And you ought to write that down somewhere in your notes. You got to make time for God. You got to, I put him on my calendar, like an appointment. Now, that may sound crazy to you, but I put God on my calendar like an appointment. You can't get an appointment with me early. I don't do breakfasts because I am going to give that time to God. I realize that if I don't make time for God, there is no time for God. The Bible comes along and says, be still and know. As if to say, you'll never know he's God. Yeah, be still and know that I am God is not again. That passage is not saying be still. Listen for the audible voice of God who he's broadcasting out there on the winds. Every text he's touched so far, out of context, twisted. Until you're still long enough to know that he's God. So if you like extra phrases, here's how I would say it. And that is, the quieter you become, the more you're going to be able to hear. No text teaches that you twisted God's word in order to create the false impression that it teaches this. And I want to offer a suggestion for this. And that is, I want to offer a thought to you to make the day that you worship for you. It's Sunday today. Sunday is your Sabbath day. Sunday is your day that you're giving to God. But I'm going to encourage you to give as much of Sunday as you possibly can, not just the church hour. 
In other words, don't fill Sunday up with a bunch of things to do. Not a great day to do the chores around the house. Not a, not a, not a good day. What would it look like if you could take Sunday and really turn it into a day that you're going to dedicate maybe another hour to, to take a walk? Sometimes that's what I do, just to get away from the house because it's, it's so active sometimes and there's too much going on. I'll just, just go take a walk and try to hear God and just talk to God and just be honest. Just try to hear God while you're walking. No biblical text says to do this. God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God's word will make us complete and equipped for every good work. We are to pay attention to the written word of God as to a light shining in a dark place. Huh. The one who hears the apostles, we only hear them in their writings now, are the ones who hear Jesus. Honest with God, but, but make it make it a pure Sabbath, a, a day where you spend time with the Lord. I promise you, if you make time for God, you'll quiet your soul. You're going to hear him more clearly. Here's, oh, really? Yeah, no text says that, including the Mary Martha text. Here's, here's the second weapon of mass distraction, and that is competing voices. Competing voices. In other words, God could be yelling at you, but if there are a 100,000 other things yelling at you too... You are not going to hear him. Boy, that means that God is totally powerless. Hey, I'm trying to talk to you. Hello? Can't hear. Uh Uh-huh. No text says this. If God speaks to us, we will unmistakably know that it's God. If you've ever been in a football stadium, I mean, you can't even hear two people over whenever everybody is screaming. Right. And no text mentions any football stadiums or even coliseums or hippodromes and, you know, likens this to the the important part of get away from distractions so that you can finally once and for all hear what God's saying. Because there's so many competing voices. But if you were in that same bowl stadium with it completely empty, you could hear a person across the field speaking at a normal speaking voice. Just because of the bowl shape, it would echo right back to you. You can hear more clearly. Yeah, again, that's just you pointing to things in the natural world, not to an actual biblical text that actually teaches the doctrine that you are spewing at this moment. And spewing is the right way of putting it. When you get rid of all the competing voices, Jesus often tried to reach out to people and, and they always gave an excuse of, of like, I, I'm trying, I would love to God, but I've got this, this, and this. And maybe that's the problem. Here, here's a place where that happened. And yeah, maybe that's the problem. You know, Jesus is saying, hey, I, I'm trying to talk to you, but you know, oh, you're too distracted. Again, he's not exegeting a single text. He's twisting God's word. In Luke chapter 14, it says, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I mean, I'd love, to, I'd love to follow you and listen to you, Jesus, but I just bought a field. And I'm just so sorry. I just bought a field. And this is the parable that Jesus tells at the dinner party put on by one of the Pharisees about the invitation to the great wedding feast. This has nothing whatsoever to do with hearing God's voice via direct revelation. Again, isn't it weird that in order to create the false impression that this this doctrine exists, in order to do it, he has to twist the written word of God. Every text where we know God has spoken, he has twisted it. Why isn't God speaking to him and telling him to knock it off?
Kind of go, got to go hang out on that field. Please, please excuse me. And another said, yeah, I'd like to, but I got to go to work. You know, I got these oxen, got that farm, you know, I got, got some stuff I need to do. Uh, I, I, please excuse me. And another said, yeah, I'd like to, but you know, I got relationships and I got people I can need to hang out with. And the point, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, with today's episode, I'm going to put links to two sermons, mm-hmm. two sermons. You can find them at fightingforthefaith.com when this is posted in the podcast, Head over to fightingforthefaith.com. Look for Thursday, September 8th, 2016. Thursday, September 8th, 2016. And look for the links to two sermons. I recently preached on the story of Mary and Martha, as well as this text from Luke 14 about the invitation to the wedding feast. Mm -hmm. Recently preached on it. And listen to the sermons as I exegete both passages and just compare what you're hearing in the way I handle these texts exegetically with what Chris Hodges is doing just by referencing them and then forcing them into the context of maybe the reason why you're not hearing God's voice is fill in the blank. You'll see the difference. The point is there was always a reason why because there's so much going on in our lives. And here's the challenge I'd like to give to you, and that is what would it be like if you could think through some of the competition to God? Yeah, what would it be like? Now, now, (laughs) Well, imagine if. Yeah, now we're just going to use our imaginations. This is not exegesis. I don't know what this is. And if you can't eliminate it, which actually some of them ought to be eliminated, at least restrict them. And you all know which ones they are. They're, they're all things digital, isn't that right? Because we got the iPhone, the iPad, the, the Instagram, the, the Snapchat, the Twitter. We, got, we, we are spending way too much time on Facebook, and we should be seeking his face. Can I get an amen, somebody? Like, it's way too much. And, and it's just right there, first thing we wake up, blah, 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 you know, and it's just, I, I was at dinner not too long ago, and there was a whole family, and every mom, dad, and all the kids, all on their phones. I don't know if they were texting to each other or... You know, it's like, are you serious? You know, and, and, and how much it's costing us because we're distracted. They say uh, kids between eight and 18 spend seven and a half hours a day on media. That's 53 hours a week. Well, I mean, think about it. God barely has a chance. You want to give him one hour on a Sunday. God barely has a chance if, if you, because of all these competing voices. I'm going to tell you something. Social media is fine, but it needs to have its own place. It really is. I'm serious. Uh, I've had to eliminate several. I've had to make room for it. In fact, I have a rule that I I don't I don't ever turn on anything electronic till I've first spoken to God. I'm not going to say good morning, America, till I've said good morning, God. Come on, y'all. Y'all listening to me? I'm just saying. So find your own. You don't have to do mine, but you need. It says since we are surrounded by so many examples of faith, we must get rid of. Of everything that's slowing us down, especially now referencing Hebrews 12 out of context. The sin that distracts us. We must run the race that lies ahead of us and never give up. We must say it out loud, every voice. We must focus on Jesus. We gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you're going to have to focus on him in order to hear him. So he's not just going to come in all of your competition and try to out yell. <laughs> Keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, is not telling us to listen to his still, small voice that he's going to speak in our hearts and to put away the distractions. Everything else around you. So here's the way I'd like to say it, and that is to hear God's voice, you're going to have to turn down the world's volume. To hear God's voice, you need to figure out for yourself, I've done it for me, 
Here's where I'm going to turn down the world's volume. And here's the last one. I'm talking about just weapons of mass distraction that are keeping us from God. And this one we're going to develop a little bit. And that is the unprepared heart. An unprepared heart. Yeah, is your heart unprepared to receive direct revelation from God? Can't wait to find out what biblical text he twists for this point. So Jesus often talked about the fact that, hey, I'm speaking a whole lot more than you think I am. It's what? It's just not landing because you really haven't prepared yourself. Uh huh. Okay. This is an important concept because this, listen to me, this puts you in control. To like get your heart ready. So that's like one of the thoughts I have for myself is like, am I really ready? It's kind of good even when you come to church. Hey God, I'm going to prepare my heart. What would it be like if you spent five or ten minutes in prayer before you came to church? Like God, I'm going to go ahead and get this out of the way. What text teaches this doctrine? I want to see it in context. The way, so I'm ready to receive some things. Now, if you've been in church any amount of time, you, you probably know the story or the parable that Jesus told of the, the sower and the seed. Right. The seed is the word of God. That would be the preached word of God. And you preach the word of God from the written word of God. That's what Jesus is referencing. He's not talking about some direct revelation that we're supposed to be receiving from him. You're twisting the parable of the sowers now from Matthew 13 or the parable of soils. And Jesus said, I'm throwing it out there. It's just hitting rocky ground. And when anyone hears the news of the kingdom and doesn't take it in, the problem is it's remaining on the surface. So I could. So the news of the kingdom is direct revelation now. Weird. Take very fertile seed and throw it on this stage. And you can come back 10 years from now and there will be no plants. Because the, the condition of the stage is keeping that seed from growing. You throw it in fertile soil, you can come back in a day and see something sprout up. That's what he was saying here. And so the evil one, the devil, is constantly, listen to this. He's constantly trying to pluck things away, and it's easier for him if your heart's not ready. He comes along and plucks it out right out of the person's heart. So we have a role in kind of preparing. Here's, here's the way I want to say it. I actually got this from Pastor Robert Morris, who you ought to read his book called Frequency. Frequency. And he says, God comes to a prepared environment. So God's going to show up. God's going to... Robert Morris, a word of faith heretic... And his book, Frequency, not the written word of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the parable of the soils does not say, well, you've got to prepare your heart so that you can receive direct revelation. That is a flagrant and egregious twisting of that parable. Speak, and he speaks even more loudly, or it'll seem like it, the more you've prepared the environment for God to speak. That's pretty cool. Second Corinthians. No, there's nothing cool about that. That is a, like I said, a flagrant and egregious twisting of uh, of Jesus's words. Jesus himself gave the, the the interpretation of the parable. Here, then, the parable of the sower, Matthew thirteen eighteen. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what's been sown in his heart. That is what was sown along the path. As for what's sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. 
As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word, understands it, indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, another sixty, and another thirty. The word Jesus is referring to here is the preached word of God, the word of the kingdom. He's not talking about a direct revelation that we're supposed to receive and prepare our hearts to hear. Man, this is bad. Corinthians says it this way. Let's make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us, both within, that's my heart, and without, that's the television and the Twitter and everything else, right? Let's make our entire lives fit and holy temples for the worship of God. So let's, let's just figure out a way to get my life right so all this is working out in my life. Now I want to illustrate it this way. I need every campus, every one of you men and women at the correctional facilities. If you're watching this message online, I want you to participate on everybody. Just keep your stuff in your hands. Stand up on your feet. Everybody stand up right there where you are. Stand up, stand up, stand up. Everybody, all right. Yeah, you don't have to put your things down. I won't, I won't take you very long. And in just a moment, a sound is going to be released into this auditorium and into every auditorium where, where we have campuses. And only some of you are going to be able to hear it. So here's what I want you to do. If you hear the sound that is getting ready to be released, if you hear it, I want you to be seated. If you do not hear it, I want you to remain standing. Now, don't cheat just because somebody sat down like, I'm going to sit down too. Like, don't do that, all right? Okay. If you hear the sound, sit down. If you don't hear it, remain standing. Guys, release the sound. Yeah, I, I didn't hear it. Again, this is not... From the Bible. This is just him preaching what he is reasonable to him. Now, doesn't that freak you out? I, I still haven't heard the sound ever. I want y'all to know that, all right? And I didn't secretly go uh, before the service and meet with a bunch of people and say, hey, uh, I need you to participate. All right? Like, you said that when I was you know, there. I didn't do that. Uh, they, they just heard, heard 17.4 uh, kilohertz which is what they call the, it's basically the audio frequency of a mosquito. And they, the reason why they heard it and you didn't, is because you are old. All right. So there you go. All right. So you can be seated, everybody. Go ahead and be seated. Aren't you encouraged? Aren't you glad you came to church? Uh, now I've been doing this illustration all day long and I still haven't heard a blessed thing. Praise God. All right. Say, Chris, what happened? Well, that frequency, every one of you, listen to this, every one of you at one point in your life had the ability to hear it. But the older you get, your ears get dull. Let me say it in a spiritual sense. The older you get and the more you experience life and the more you add to your life, the less you're able to hear. Now, the reason why young people can hear it is their bodies are still young. 17.4 uh, uh, kilohertz is a, is a very high-pitched, mosquito-sounding, real loud, piercing sound. In fact, it works so well, there was this posh shopping district in London, and they real, real high-end stores, and they had all these teenagers hanging out in front of these stores with their skateboards and everything. And it was, and it was kind of running off the, the posh cush, customers. And so they hired this uh, Scottish security firm, this guy named Howard Stapleton. You can look this up. And he, he invented what's called the mosquito teen repellent. <laughs> I'm not making this up, all right? And what they did is they put speakers outside the stores 
And the old people couldn't hear it. Everybody over 30 basically couldn't hear it. So they were just shopping away. And all the young people took off because they couldn't stand that annoying sound anymore. By the way, some of those young people kind of turned that around for their own advantage. And they've now made that their ringtone and uh, on, their, on their phone. And no teacher or anybody else can hear their phones ringing and only they can. So anyway, young people do not do that. Do not, I see young people going, hmm, write that down right now. That's what this handout's for. Praise the Lord. No, no, no. That's, that's not what it's for. All right. But what's interesting from a spiritual standpoint is there's a, there's a beautiful metaphor there. There's a beautiful comparison to that. And that is, that sound was there. And a bunch of us just couldn't hear it. Uh, again, where does it say that God's out there speaking on some frequency, but we just can't hear it? No biblical text says this. Not even one. And in the spiritual sense, it's because, yeah, the older you get, the more that's in my life. We've learned actually to tune God out. And what's interesting is, is that, yeah, we, we've learned to tune him out. That's weird because the major premise of this sermon is, how do I hear God's voice? And you're, you're basically saying, oh, well, the problem is, you know, long ago you tuned him out. Uh-huh. And what's interesting is, is that Jesus said, unless you become like a little child. What? So I have to become like a little child and regain my ability to hear high-pitched sounds. And if not, well, oh, I guess I'm just going to end up going to hell. Man, th- every text he touches, he twists. You can't enter the kingdom of heaven. And he wasn't talking about going to heaven. He says, you cannot have the kingdom, the, the, all the good things of God. You can't have everything that I have for you unless you return. And the beautiful part of that illustration is no matter how old you are, you can still become like a little child. You can still tune. Again, that has nothing to do with tuning into the frequencies of God. You can still tune your heart back to God, return to God with some innocence, come back, come back to God and say, God, I'm going to dream again. And I'm <laughs> God, I want to dream again. What? I want to trust you again. And, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm just passionate enough about you to get rid of all the junk in my life so I can know you again. And God, I'm going to come to you like a little child. Paul, Paul said, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young, because you will set the example for the believers in your life. And I want to encourage you today to come back to some innocence and say, God, I want to hear you again. I know that's why you asked for it. So since that, that illustration kind of shows how young people can hear it, let me show you a story in the Old Testament where a, a little boy could hear God's voice and the same older. Okay, we're going to remember our categories of descriptive versus prescriptive. Uh huh. Is this a descriptive biblical story or a prescriptive? Man who once heard God could not. Many of you know this story in 1 Samuel chapter 3. This first part's not in your notes, so look up here. That the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under a mentor, another prophet named Eli. And Eli was not a prophet. He was a priest. So already he's twisting even this text. Isn't it fascinating? Every text in the written word of God is twisted to make you focus on hearing God's still small voice. Like a frequency you got to tune into. 1 Samuel 3, verse 1. I already read it, but let me read it again. The boy Samuel was ministering to Yahweh in the presence of Eli, 
and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. Eli was the high priest serving at the tabernacle. He was not a prophet. There is nothing in Samuel even hints at him being a prophet. In those days, watch this, the word of the Lord was rare. Now, the truth is God was probably still speaking. They just had, couldn't hear God anymore. Um, you just put that in the text. When God speaks, people must listen. Why? Well, he was probably out there speaking. Hello? Hello? I'm, I'm God Almighty. Will somebody please listen to me? Why do I feel like I'm talking to myself? There were not many visions. They weren't dreaming anymore. And that's not what the text says. There were not many visions because God was not speaking. And one night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. And now to your notes, watch, watch, watch where Samuel was. Samuel was, and I've highlighted it for you because we're going to come back to this. He was by the lamp of God. He was lying down in the house of God where the ark of God was. And it was there, look at the last phrase. It was there that the Lord God called out to Samuel. Now, we'll come back to that. Samuel answered, here I am, here I am, thinking it was Eli. So he ran to Eli and said, hey, here I am. You called me? But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back, go back to bed. Go back and lie down. So we went back and, and he lied down. And again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, I'm right, I'm right here, Eli. And he said, you called me? And he says, my son, I did not call you. Go, go back to bed. I didn't call you. Go lie down. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. So the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So he was hearing God, but he didn't know what to do with it yet. So a third time, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, I'm right here, Eli. You called me? Eli now realized that God, the Lord, was speaking to this young little boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, and here's what I want you to say too, church. That's why I highlighted it. Just say this. Speak, Lord. Your servant's listening. Um, again, you're taking a descriptive text and turning it into a prescriptive text. There is no text that says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And that says that's what we need to be doing as Christians. You are twisting God's written word. If you leave with nothing else than a simple prayer to pray, I'm telling you, if you, if, if you prepare the right environment, God will speak to you. Uh, no, you can sit there and guarantee it all you want, but God has not promised that. No scripture says that, even the one you're citing right now. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and he, and he lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood there, calling at the other, as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something in Israel that will make, watch this, the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. I'm, I'm going to show you, in other words, what it looks like to hear my voice. And there's three things we see in this text. No, that's not actually at all 
what God was saying that, you know, I'm going to teach them again what it's like to hear my voice. No, he gave a prophecy regarding the death of Eli's wicked sons and the death of Eli himself and a curse on Eli's family. That give us the the inclination, it gives us the, the ideas of how to create an environment where you can return no matter how old you are, whether you heard my sound or not. Uh, no, First Samuel chapter 3 is not a prescriptive text. It teaches us how to create an environment where we can hear God's voice. Where you can create an environment where you can hear God again. And that's what you asked for. So let me give it to you straight out of the text. And that is God is speaking and will speak, write this down, as we read his word. Now, they say, I told you, we at least get a nod to the fact that, well, God speaks through his word. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of obligatory. We continue. In other words, you're going to have to get into his book in order to hear his voice. Now, remember, Samuel was laying down by the lamp. Say, Chris, what is the lamp? The Bible says what the lamp is. Psalm 119, your word is a lamp unto my feet. It lights up my path. In other words, the Bible's not there just to give you historical record. The Bible's not there just to give you some spiritual thoughts and principles. The Bible actually, listen to the church, come on now. It'll illuminate. And I want to say it this way for you younger generation. It'll be like a 3D movie. It'll jump out of the screen, out of the page and speak to you. Say, Chris, how do you do that? Read it. I'm not getting anything out of it. Keep reading it. Just read it. It will come alive. I promise you. Because God brings life. It, that, the book is alive. This is true. And I told you we'd at least get a nod you know, to the written word of God. Now, one of the series that I did earlier in the year, in fact, it was the first series of the year, will help you. If, if the Bible is very difficult for you, I encourage you to go back, watch the messages in a series we did at the beginning of the year called It Is Written. And I, and I talked about how the Bible really can be, be trusted, uh, how, how it, people think it's changed. It hadn't. It's, it, how it's, it's proven over and over and how you can work it into your life. But I want to encourage every one of you. Here we are kind of in a new season. We're moving into fall. You know, Labor Day kind of marks the end of summer. We're kind of into a new season now. What would it look like to make a fresh commitment? I'm going to read God's word. And I'm not asking for a lot. It doesn't take a lot. But, but don't go a single day with not even just a verse. And if you've got time for more than just a, a few verses, read a chapter. Re- read one chapter of the Psalms. There, there, are, there are 31 Proverbs. Read one of the Proverbs. Whatever day of the week is, read that proverb. It'll get you a little system. Read through the Gospels. If you need a place to start, start with the Gospel of John. It's, it's, it's powerful. But just get in God's Word. And what a lot of us around here do is we read the one-year Bible. And that's if you have about 10 to 15 minutes. Because we'll give you a little devotional. It takes two minutes. And then there's an Old Testament passage, a New Testament passage, a Psalm and a Proverb. And if you read it through the whole year, you read through the whole Bible. Now, I don't, I don't end up reading every single day, like 365. I miss some days, right? And so I just pick up right where I, 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 you know, just right where I left off, whatever day it is on. I just, whatever days I missed, I'll, I'll get them next year. Okay. I heard somebody the other day, like, are you reading the one there Bible? Yeah. He said, are you enjoying it? Well, he goes, well, I'm still in April. I'm like, don't do that. Don't do that. Now you got five months to read. You know, that's just too much. You know, don't do, don't do it that way. Just read God's word. Just get it in your life every day. And I like to, I like to start my day off with it really because of this verse. 
I rise before dawn and I cry for help. I have put my hope in your word. And I just promise you this. If you want to hear God's voice, get into God's word. He'll speak to you. I promise you that. It'll also happen. God speaks. He is speaking. And God speaks. Write this down. As we cultivate his presence. Uh huh. So now we're done with the obligatory nod to the obvious, the written word of God. Now we've got to cultivate God's presence. What what passage teaches me how to do that? Now I tried to think of different ways to phrase that, and honestly, that's the best I could come up with. You say, Chris, that's a little too difficult, a little too churchy sounding for me. Break it. Not. It doesn't sound churchy at all. It sounds like it, you made it up. Get down for me a little bit more. He was by the ark. Now, if you've ever watched Raiders of the Lost Ark, he was by the ark. (sighs) Yeah, again, he's taking a descriptive text and trying to turn it into a prescription. So uh, who knew that the young boy Samuel cultivated the presence of God? Uh Uh-huh. Or seen any movies about the Ark of the Covenant, that box that had the Ten Commandments in it. There were two angels with their, you know, with their wings over their eyes and they were pointing at each other. That's called the mercy seat. And in the Old Testament, that's where the physical manifest presence of God, like it was a cloud by day and it was a fire by night. You could actually physically see the presence of God over that box. Okay. And, and that place was the place where God's presence dwells in the New Testament. That place is write this word somewhere in your notes, you note takers, that place is in worship, worship. So what do you mean? Yeah, God is very attracted to it. (laughs) I cannot believe he used that word. God's attracted to it. There's God going about his business, doing God things, you know, running the universe and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, whoa, whoa, whoa. I I feel this. I'm attracted to, whoa, there's somebody worshiping. I got to (laughs) go. I cannot believe he said that. Like a lot. Like, let me say it this way. If you're trying to find God, just worship. He'll find you. I'm telling you, he's attracted to it. First Chronicles says the eyes of the Lord are just ranging to and fro. He's even ranging to and fro through churches. Looking for, not people who showed up at church today. Looking for hearts that are fully devoted to him. John chapter four, he says, the father is seeking worshipers. Where are they at? Where are they at? And he's looking for, he's attracted to that. Every biblical text he's touched, he's twisted. Nothing cultivates the presence of God more than just passionate worship. Samuel wasn't worshiping God. He was sleeping. I know a few weeks ago, if you weren't here, you need to go watch it. I preached on praise and worship and it lit a fire inside of me because I try so hard to create an environment here at Highlands that people who aren't used to all this can kind of inch their way in and kind of get used to it and actually I try to stay very polite with it I'm telling you a fire has gotten lit inside of me to the point where I don't even really care anymore I mean yesterday 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 my team was losing horribly and my whole family was woo I'm like, there we are screaming our little heads off over a football team who ain't even going to win any football games. And so I am going to praise my God, everybody. Amen. Yeah, that's a nice applause line, but it has nothing to do 
with <laughs> with what he's saying. I mean, the text doesn't say this. For Samuel 3, verse 2, At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim, so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Yeah, that's right. He was lying down, getting ready to go to sleep. There was no praise and worship going on there in 1 Samuel 3. Samuel was not cultivating the presence of God. I don't know where Chris Hodges is getting this stuff, but he ain't getting any of this stuff from the text that he's been referencing. You say, you're a wild man. Are you, I, I will become even more undignified than this. Because I don't, I don't, last time I checked, LSU hadn't saved me from nothing. You know what I'm saying? I don't believe Les Miles is preparing a place for me to go. I don't, I don't think he's preparing anything. Anyway, that's another story. All right. <laughs> y'all know that's funny. I don't care what y'all say. All right. Genesis chapter 3. Watch this. It says, he says, they heard the sound of God. So God, God was dealing with people, Adam and Eve, just by sending his voice. When they were walking in the garden, they had decided to get away from the clutter, the distraction, and they were just walking in the garden. You, you Baptists, I grew up Baptist. You, you, you remember that old song? I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And he walks with me. He talks with me. What a beautiful line. He tells me I am his own. Now, I'm going to note this <laughs> I, my, my jaw is on my desk. It's like, no, uh, he did not just do that. <laughs> he did. I mean, he totally, I mean, just lied about what's going on in Genesis chapter three. Yeah, there, yeah, there was the sound of the, of God coming to them and they were, you know, Adam and Eve were trying to, let me read what was going on in the text. Okay. <clears throat> so Genesis 3, 1, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field. The Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, well, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. <clears throat> and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? So no joke, Chris Hodges just took this text as, well, a proof text that God really wants to speak to us. Let me back up the audio 
so you can hear it in context. I mean, this is – I don't have any other words except for demonic, demented, deceptive. This is unbelievable. It says, it says they heard the sound of God. So God, God was dealing with people, Adam and Eve, just by sending his voice. When they were walking in the garden, they had decided to get away from the clutter, the distraction, and they were just walking in the garden. You, you- yeah, yeah, that's right. Adam and Eve were walking in, in the garden, trying to get away from the clutter so that they can tune in to the voice of God. What Bible are you reading, Chris Hodge? That is unbelievable. You Baptists, I grew up Baptist. You, you, you remember that old song? I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And he walks with me. He talks with me. What a beautiful line. He tells me I am his own. And the joy I share as I tarry there, none other has ever known. There's a... And so he, this weird hymn about the... He's speaking to me in the garden. He's quoting that after totally lying about what Genesis 3 is about. This is unbelievable. You can't find it any other place. I'm going to find a place where I can meet with my God. Well, honestly, that's not what happens. The next part of the verse is tragic. And the man and his wife hid themselves from that presence. I'm just trying to encourage you, church, that you you ask for, you want to hear God's voice, read his word. Go to the garden and just worship. Just say, what do I say, Chris? Whatever is... Just go to a garden, yeah, but don't run when God shows up. (laughs) I don't have words for this. It's on your heart. That's what he wants to know. Well, I'm mad. Tell him. I'm sad. He wants to know. Just walk with him. Talk with him. Share with him. Love him. Adore him. And for heaven's sakes, don't worry about anybody else giving the most heartfelt, passionate worship you have. Can you say a good amen? amen. And here's the last one. Remember this? He, God spoke because that little boy was in the temple. So God speaks as I get myself planted in a church. this is i again i just have to ask the question if this is really true that god wants to speak to us apart from his word why is chris hodges so egregiously twisting the written word of god in order to create this doctrine now that's just true it doesn't have to be this one there's a bunch of good ones There's 10 in Birmingham I would go to. But you need to find a church, listen to me, and don't just attend it every once in a while on a Sunday. Praise God you're here on this Labor Day weekend. I'm kind of preaching to the choir right now, okay? I get it. But I'm saying even more than that. Like, devote yourself. Dive in. Today just happens to be step one of our growth track. You give me four Sundays. It's the best way to get connected at Highlands. You can do step one today. If you've never been water baptized, get water baptized. Today we launched over 4,200 small groups. Get in a group. Say, how do I search between all those? Get on our search engine. Pick a day, pick a place, pick a topic. It'll reduce that big number down to just a few. And get in a group. Like, and here's what I tell people. I've been telling people this for 15 years. 
And that is you give me one year and it won't even take a year. But you give me one year of your life. You put it to the test. Pour your life into what go to the conferences, participate in 21 days of prayer. when We have it like if we're, if we're doing it. If you can do it, do it like pour yourself in. I promise you, you'll come back a year from now saying my life isn't even anywhere near where it was. God's speaking to me. I'll show it to you in the scripture. Psalm 92. My eyes have seen the defeat of my adversaries. My ears have heard the rout of my wicked foes. How? Because the righteous flourish like a palm tree. They grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Semicolon. Let me tell you how. Let me show you where. They're planted in the house of the Lord. Samuel was in the temple by the ark with the lamp. And they flourish in the courts of our God. He heard from God because he was in the house of God. Uh, Samuel throughout his life heard God's voice many, 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 many times. And he was nowhere near the tabernacle. Mm -hmm. It's true. Just read through 1 Samuel and you'll see for yourself. You say, Chris, what are you saying? I'm saying God will speak to you in the growth track. God will speak to you. Yeah, God's going to speak to you in the growth track. At, At Church of the Highlands, I don't think God's speaking there because... The written word of God has been twisted so badly, the voice of God has literally been silenced, like with duct tape. Uh Uh-huh. To you in a small group. God will start dealing with your life. He may speak to you through a friend in the small group saying, hey, I'll go on this journey with you. And all of a sudden, God's directing your life in ways you never dreamed. And I wanted to use this opportunity to say, pour yourself in. I started thinking... About my life. And now, ready for this? Every good thing. Every good thing happened to me in church. I mean, even in my rebellious days. I didn't get saved until I was 15, but I went to church every Sunday. And there I am. <laughs> I've only been to one rock concert in my entire life. I was about, I was, I was 15 years old. It was right before I gave my heart to Jesus. And my I lied to my parents and said, I, I would spend the night with somebody. I'd gone downtown Baton Rouge to the Civic Center to watch the Doobie Brothers. Come on, y'all. <laughs> and everybody's in there getting after it, having a, getting crazy, seeing pink elephants, you know, because they're smoking dope and stuff. And, and I was seeing the face of God and Moses and Elijah. I mean, I was like, I was so convicted because I've been in church my whole life. I knew my mama was praying for me and I'm, I'm just convicted and I'm there and this is God honest truth. I'm already thinking, I'm going to, I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to hell. If my mama even knew, she'd send me there herself. I mean, like I'm going to hell. I mean, and, and I'm just under conviction. They're lighting up joints on their, each side of me. They're lighting, come on, you old folks. They had their big lighter. They're holding it up and everything. And the Doobie Brothers came out and their first song, God Be My Witness, their first song was... Jesus is just all right with me. I thought, they're mocking God. I'm going to hell. I mean, you know, I just. And you know why I had all those thoughts? Because I had a praying mom and I was raised in church. And just a few months later, I get saved in church. And then I got baptized in church. And then I went to a small group in my church and got spirit filled in that small group in my church. And then from there, I got discipled and mentored, by the way, in church and in those groups. And and then I went from there and, and. False teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit that explains a lot of what's going wrong here. And then I got called, called, called to the ministry on a Sunday night in, in church. And then I met Miss Tammy. Guess where I met her, y'all? In church. I, I'm telling you, God will speak to you. Well, what's the secret? What's the moral to the story? 
Maybe God is speaking and I just got to put myself in the right environment. I mean, yeah, Church of the Highlands would not be that right environment. That right environment would be the church where God's word is rightly handled and correctly taught. I mean, bananas don't grow in Alaska. Can I get an amen, somebody? <laughs> they grow in Jamaica. So write this down. I'm going to pray for you. It's the last, last little phrase. And that is, if you want the right fruit, you got to get yourself in the right environment. And God is speaking. You ask for it. Here's the answer. Put yourself. Read God's word. Cue sappy music. Worship. Get in a pour your pour yourself. Plant yourself in the church. And I promise you, you come back a year from now, you'll say, God's spoken to me a ton. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I pray. Done. Yeah, you get the point. Boy, that was abysmal. An egregious twisting of God's word to make it teach something that it doesn't teach. If this was really a biblical doctrine, why didn't he just open up the clear passage that gives us the steps necessary to hear God's voice? Answer? Well, the answer to that's quite obvious, because nothing of what he said is actually taught in the written word of God. He was twisting scripture. He was teaching false doctrine. And this false teaching takes people's ears out of the written word of God and puts them in places where God has not promised to speak and literally opens up the door for them to hear from their own sinful flesh, from deceivers, as well as from the devil and the demons themselves, uh, in order to deceive them into believing that they're hearing God when, in fact, they're not. That's what's at stake here. Sola Scriptura. I will only believe those words given by Christ. And the only place I can go to find those words, well, it's the writings of the prophets and the apostles. So what would you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash Fire Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at Fire Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. <laughs>